Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Well, Hammer, I'm glad to see that the Indiana Court of Appeals is not going to rehear the case of the scumbag that was convicted of killing Southport Police Lieutenant Aaron Allen. I, I really, you know, I like how this guy's lawyers are painting this the 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 killer ought to be some sort of victim oh he's having seizures he couldn't have possibly known what he was doing oh well they didn't save the blood sample that would have shown he was intoxicated and that that he there's no way that he could have done this on purpose they're throwing crap against the wall and hoping it sticks yeah was it a seizure or was he intoxicated doesn't matter. You're right. Scumbag is the right phrasing here. I'm say um, his name. The Court of Appeals has said, no, we're not going to have another trial. We're not going to hear any more information about this. And again, if you remember what happened in that situation, this, whatever you want to call him, wrecked his car. And I think he was being, was he being chased? Yeah, something illegal was taking place. So Lieutenant Aaron Allen of Southport. You know, he's on the call. He sees this guy has wrecked his car. He went to try to help him. Yes. He was hanging upside down. Tried to help him get out of the car, and that's when he was shot. Multiple times. A dozen, nearly a dozen times. So and so they were trying, yeah, you were, boy, they were trying to throw every excuse. Well, yeah, I, I know when I usually have seizures, the first thing I do is look for a gun and shoot somebody. Same thing when you're intoxicated. Yeah. First thing you do when you have a few beers in you, fire random shots at people. God, that picture of Lieutenant Allen, you know the one I'm talking about, circulated, circulating later that day in 2017. Now it was his son's first day of school, walking his son into the school for what would be the first and last time. Just a couple hours before yes. uh, this scumbag would shoot and kill him. Now, speaking of homicides, uh, Jerry Lopez, who was in for you yesterday night, Spanglish, we talked about this, and I want to run this by you. So, in Indianapolis last year, homicides were down compared to the previous year. 2023 had fewer homicides than 2022. And when you look back at the record-breaking year, the summer of love, around that time, homicides are down. So if you're Joe Hogsett, if you're Diamond Joe, if you're Boss Hogsett, do you get to do a victory lap of any kind because homicides, still over 200, were down year over year? No. I I mean, you got to talk to me when you get down into the 90s like it used to be before Hogsett took over. Now, they're going to make the argument that, well, more people are coming to Indianapolis. The population's bigger. That's the excuse, the crutch that they give everybody. More population, sure, you're going to have more homicides. But we've had Reverend Charles Harrison on this program. And when you compare what other cities around the size of Indianapolis are doing. Boston, for like 40 to 50 homicides between 2022, 2023. Right. Um, I mean, I, I think they're in, in the 40s and 50s. This is Boston. Under 100 by a substantial margin. Yes. Yes. And I mean, their goal didn't didn't um, Reverend Harrison say Boston's goal because he's been talking with Boston and some of the the initiatives they're starting there. Their goal is to have like no more than 23 homicides here in a few years. 
Not with this current administration. Not here in Indy. And I'm telling you right now, there's a little disconnect between Boss Hogsett and his gruesome, twosome teammate, Ryan Mears. Those two don't really like each other. They don't get along. And who gets screwed in the process? The city of Indianapolis, Marion County. But at the same time, I'm having a hard time dwelling up tears because these losers, you know, they keep getting elected time after time. Did you read, I, I saw Rick Snyder, uh, president of the FOP, release some stats on the war on cops. Because it's not just the citizens, it's the war on cops nationwide. Did you see these numbers? No. Uh, he just put this out not too long ago. The war on cops is very real, very real. In 2023, 378 officers were shot. That's an officer shot on, ev- on average every 23 hours. That's up 14% from 2022, and that's up 60% since 2018. And 138 officers were shot in 115 ambush attacks last year and by the way 46 officers killed by gunfire last I'm curious. year so numbers are down for citizens but they're up uh, in terms of policing and i'm curious to see what those numbers are like compared to the summer of love because oh, yeah. it feels like when george floyd happened every single criminal felt emboldened to attack police officers it seemed like it was open season on law enforcement and elected officials Many of them kind of turned a blind eye when those types of things happened. So I'm curious to see if there's any sort of numbers of what it's like from 2020 to now in regards to attacks on members of law enforcement. Also, looking at some data from 2023, man, this is kind of a scary number, but I totally get it. The numbers show that in Indianapolis, 60% of homicides went unsolved. 60%. Now, I used to think back in the day that people who don't cooperate with the police, you know, if you have seen a heinous act and you don't say anything, you're part of the problem. But I've kind of done a 180 on that because I see what Ryan Mears does with the prosecutor's office. Now, I get it. Because I think people are afraid to rat somebody out for fear that they're going to get right back out on the streets with this prosecutor and come looking for revenge. I mean, we've seen that story time and time again. Why would somebody willingly go to the police and rat somebody out with this current justice system in Marion County where it doesn't matter what you do, there's a chance you could be right back out on the streets the next day? I get it. I've done a 180 on that whole process. Let's play a game of do you buy it, Nige. Okay. Do you buy it? Joe Biden's junior spokesman, Quentin Folks, he jumped on television today and says that the Biden-Harris administration, quote, brought this country back from the brink of destruction. Americans are waking up every day and they're thinking about how they're going to put food on the table. They're thinking about, you know, all the things that they need to do, how they're going to take care of their kids, the schools that they're going to send their kids to. And while Donald Trump, you know, when he was president, he did everything he could to make those things harder. And so these aren't an either or. There are both and. We've got to communicate to American voters about what we're doing to make their lives easier, but also remind them because Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have gotten to work and done a lot of the things 
things they promised to do in 2020 for the American people. But we have to remind them that those things can be taken away by somebody who's already done it before, right? We've just came out of a hole. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris got to work bringing this country back from the brink of destruction that Donald Trump left it in. Speaking of, was he talking about the hole in the border? Is that what he was talking about? Because almost immediately, Joe Biden put this country on the brink by doing away with multiple uh, Trump era policies, Title 42, remain in Mexico uh, policy. Notice he didn't mention the southern border there at all. No, not a lot of specifics, just generalized on the brink of destruction. <laughs> and of course, there was no pushback at all. There was no follow-up question from the uh, the host there. Uh, this is the first Hammer and Nigel show of 2024. Yeah. How did you spend New Year's Eve? I was, what did we do? Oh, it was my son's 12th birthday. Okay. So I think he shares a birthday with Rob Kendall. Yes, and, um, he does. We had uh, what did we do? Just hung out all day, had some family over for dinner, and then uh, the next day, Monday, New Year's Day, we took him and a couple buddies to Great Wolf Lodge. Got my ten thousand steps in both Boy, days. Boy, you climbed some <laughs> stairs at the lodge. <laughs> Woo! It was packed. Spent a crap load of money, but they had a blast. So I did not even make it to midnight. Thank you, because Rob Kendall and I had a bet. We had a text thread going on, and it was around 9.30, and we hadn't heard from you from hours, so we usually know well, what that means. You blacked out. I was spending time with my son. I yeah, think like that's ever stopped you before. So the bet was over under 9.30 p.m. Uh, I was I stayed, I was up past 9.30. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no oh, yeah. way you... Made it past nine. No, we, we were because we were watching a movie, and it was probably ten thirty or eleven. Because I mean, we'd get up, get up early. The you next made it day. sound like nine thirty was embarrassing. Then you come back with it was probably ten thirty. How dare you say nine thirty? It was more like ten thirty. Did you guys make it to midnight? Oh yeah, I make it to midnight every night though. Oh, yeah, like I'm up You're late at night. Out. You know, around one. I think I KO'd around two o'clock on New Year's Eve. I'm bad. And if you're somebody that's made that New Year's resolution mm-hmm. to Go to the gym, drink more water, eat better, work out. But let's be real, you kind of know that's not going to last very long. Hammer and Nigel Gyms have got the perfect membership for you. First, there was 24-hour fitness, and now there's one-month fitness. One-month fitness is designed for people who make New Year's resolutions to lose weight and get in shape. Here's how it works. One-month fitness is open for the month of January. That's it. One month done. No year-long contracts. No 12-week meal plan for a slimmer you. Because we know it, one-month fitness. They're good for maybe three, four weeks tops. Then it's back to pizzas, cheeseburger meal deals, extra-large Coke, and couch potatoes. One-month fitness because we know you won't be here in february and coming soon to the same location as one month fitness the 11 month bar and grill now that's what i'm talking about right there that's what i'm talking about well our bowling our charity bowling event is it this no 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 not this friday a week from friday right one week from this friday woodland uh the hammer and nigel charity bowling event presented by jack Jack daniels Daniels. Oh, oh baby now i think we're doing our show there live that's what i've heard we're always the last ones to know. Like nobody knows anything around here, and no bosses ever work. The, the event, the event itself is sold out. It's from six to nine, but I think we're I think we're there from three, starting at three, doing right. our show where you can come hang out. 
So if anybody wants to come hang out with us a week from this Friday up at Woodland, man, let's pack that joint. Let's bring some energy. Let's uh, enjoy the uh, libations and have a good time. The Hammer and Nigel charity bowling event. Hopefully it's the first annual I love to do more of these types of things, man, where we can give back to the community and get drunk all at the same time. (laughs) Uh, Allison, we haven't done this in a while. I think it's time for some religious stuff. Oh, my. God. There's a God (laughs) somewhere. Satan. Donations. 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 I thought it was a trap. Religious stuff. Can I get a Dateline, North Carolina. A pastor in North Carolina is accused of trying to push a McDonald's worker's head into the deep fryer. Oh, no. A pastor is accused of this? Pastor Tony Soprano, apparently. (laughs) Actually, it was Pastor Dwayne Waden. Oh, no. And he was upset after his wife, who worked at that McDonald's, claimed that the employee was disrespecting her. Now, we don't know what disrespecting means. The police report does not go into that. But it does go into say that the McDonald's employee suffered a bruise to his forehead, right eye, along with scratches on his neck. He's lucky he didn't get deep fried. And several other McDonald's employees had to pull the pastor (laughs) off of the victim. I mean, I wonder if the guy was getting handsy. With the pastor's wife. that I think that'd be grounds for a, a, a deep-fried swirly. Right. I think we need more on what disrespecting really means. If it means, hey, get off your re- you know, rear end and make the fries, that's different than you know trying to make a pass out. Have you ever been around a deep fryer before? Oh, yeah. Look at, at fast food. Well, no, I mean, I'm talking like, <laughs> did, you ever, <laughs> did you ever work in fast food? I know you worked yeah. at a pizza place. I worked at, my first ever job was Steak and Shake on oh, Emerson okay. Avenue. Yeah. Man, that crap is hot. I worked yeah. at Burger, my first job was Burger King there in Brownsburg. That stuff is, is. I mean, you stick your head in that, you're not coming up. You're, you're dead. Yeah, that's some pretty brutal stuff. And the pastor was arrested for assault and released on a $1,000 bond. And he's got a court hearing coming up later in January. But this brings us to great moments in pastor history. Here is when a pastor called out a couple who I guess was going to get married in his church. And the pastor was going to be the officiant in the wedding. Okay, But... They haven't been coming to church lately, so the pastor called out the soon-to-be husband, like tried to fight him, and the mom had to step up in the middle. And where have you been, Mr. Underwood? And I noticed on the calendar I'm supposed to marry y'all. What makes you think I'd marry you? You're one of the sorriest church members I have. You're not worth 15 cents. And you want me to marry you to her? And you want to marry him, and he don't even know where he belongs, and you don't even know where you belong. Stand up, big boy. Oh, here we go. Are y'all keeping the camera on me back there in the now mom's in the video middle. room? He has a little attitude adjustment that we're going to fix. Now, I don't care what your mama thinks and your daddy thinks, but mama, you get out of my way when I'm messing with that boy. And last I checked, <laughs> he's a grown man. <laughs> I've never seen that before in my life. Who in their right mind would go to a church like that? Come for the confession, stay for the ass whipping. <laughs> Great moments in pastor history. Here's a pastor 
at a uh, predominantly black Southern church who's got a problem with old women coming to his church and joining his church choir dressing like floozies. Why you wait till you get old and look like a whore? <laughs> hey, Grandma, are you a hoe? Grandma, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you a hoe? That's right. You so-called Christian-looking whores. That's it. Chomping <laughs> in some church, flapping your ankle chains around, Amen. all on the choir, breasts hanging out, lips all red, nails painted red, purple, blue, green, long like bird claws, all this fake Donation plate will now be coming around. That sounded like uh, comedian Cat Williams, the stand-up act. Good Lord. And last but not least, great moments in pastor history. I don't know why, but this is my favorite. Video of a pastor who many feel like could have been drunk while leading the service. Yes, Lord, have your way, have your way, have your way, have your way. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, touch this. Touch this right now. Touch this situation. Great moments in pastor history. (laughs) Those are awful moments in pastoral history. I'm sorry. On the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Well, the, I guess you could say, fallout from disgraced former... A former Harvard professor, I'm sorry, Harvard president, Claudine Gay, resigning is, look, it's not as bad as we all think, because she still keeps her job at Harvard. She's just not the president anymore, making, what, around $900,000 a year? Right. She was making over a mill as the president. She's going to be retained on Harvard's faculty going forward, just not as the president, of course. You remember Claudine Gay uh, wasn't really, you know, it depends on what the context is when we're talking about Jewish genocide. Right. <laughs> the anti-Semitism on the on you know, anti-Israel protests on Harvard campus calling for Jewish genocide. Do you condemn that? Well, you know, the, we just it depends on the context. Right. But apparently... That didn't. That wasn't enough to get her fired. It was the plagiarism. She got busted plagiarizing over fifty different times. That's a lot. And the <laughs> so? straw that broke the old camel's back was Monday night. Six new examples were brought forward of her basically just ripping things off, and that's when all the pressure finally got to the brass at Harvard and said. Fine, we'll go in another direction. But we're still going to make her part of our faculty. We're going to pay her about $900,000 a year. She gets to keep all of her benefits. And now 
She's basically like a martyr to the political left. She can walk around and do speeches oh, and sure, talk sure. about how she's the victim of racism and she's the victim of this and yeah, that. I love how she's the she claims victim. She claims racism, except for the fact that the University of Penn's president, Liz McGill, was the first to uh, resign this whole thing. She's white. <laughs> right, so the racism thing doesn't doesn't really make any sense, especially when the first president to go down was was a white woman. And there are multiple reasons to kick this woman to the can. It wasn't just the anti-Semitism. Hell, some would say it wasn't that at all. It was ripping off other people's projects and passing it off on your own. And listen to this headline that the Associated Press put out on social media. Quote. Harvard's president's resignation highlights new conservative weapon against colleges, plagiarism. (laughs) Conservatives are weaponizing plagiarism (laughs) to attack their opponents. (laughs) Plagiarism is plagiarism, whether you're conservative or liberal, right? Right. I'm a little confused there. And the community notes, you know, the fact checker thing that's on Twitter X now had a field day with the Associated Press. These are three, just three of the bullet points that were attached to that message sent out by the AP. Number one, plagiarism is a breach of rules for Harvard University. (laughs) That in itself right there is the ball game, but it goes on. Number two, Claudine Gay was ultimately forced to resign for a series of breaches of this policy. And number three, plagiarism or application of the rules around plagiarism, therefore, cannot be considered a weapon. So, like you said (laughs) earlier, plagiarism is not a weapon, and Harvard's rules are in place. You get busted ripping off somebody's work. One time, you get shown the door. I mean, where was um, Barack Obama during all this? Because the headlines were that he was privately lobbying for uh, President Gay to keep her job privately. He was in her corner, but I'm wondering now why he wasn't, you know, openly. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time uh, Barack Obama, you know, hired a plagiarist, right. a la Joe Biden in the 1988 <laughs> presidential race. Hell, that dude's whole life—he's yeah, ripped off speech yeah. after speech. Now, before we move on, because yeah. I do want to talk about other things, look me in the eye and tell me. That this woman from Harvard doesn't look like Steve Urkel. <laughs> you put a side by side of Claudine Gay next to Jaleel White's character, Steve Urkel the from thick, Family Matters. The thick glasses. They Did both I have do the- that? <laughs> I'm telling you, I've never seen the same in the same room. All right. Countdown is on. We've got, what, 12 days now until the Iowa caucuses. Rock out with your caucus out yes. 12 days away. And all the candidates, they're in Iowa. They're doing the things. Vivek Ramaswamy, speaking to a group of national reporters, had a little press gaggle, as it's known as. Uh, listen to him talk to the media about the media and specifically calling out NBC's Alex Johnson. I want to have a conversation because the historical pattern with the media is lie, lie, lie again. When proven to have lied, hide from accountability. From the Hunter Biden laptop story to the origin of COVID to the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that never was, I'm still waiting for one honest anchor in the mainstream media to just look their own audience in the eye and say, hey, I apologize. 
we lied to you, we got it wrong, and we'll never have this happen again. I challenge your guy, Alex, who likes to write, you know, I would say clickbaity headlines to say at least you're from a new generation of leadership. Go ahead and step up, and maybe you can do it. Or maybe, Catherine, I'd bet on you sooner to do it. But somebody needs to actually, from the next generation, heal that divide of trust between the media and the people. So when he said Alex, it was Alex Johnson from NBC. Right. Is that what he, who he right. was specifically addressing? Calling them out by name. And hat tip to Vivek, because he will do that. He doesn't dance around anything. You might not like what he says all the time. Not everybody likes his brash style. But he doesn't hold anything back. Uh, but while he was there doing that little song and dance, Chris Christie... Uh, that guy was on The View. Now, <laughs> I thought you were going to say he's in Iowa. <laughs> he was on The View. If you needed any more reasons to never watch The View, <laughs> like, who's the producer? Who's the executive director that says, all right, this is going to bring in the ratings. We're going to have Chris Christie come on. What teenage girl in America doesn't have a Chris Christie poster hanging up in her bedroom? We're going to bring Chris Christie on here, and then we're going to ask him, what would you do if it came down to Biden versus Trump in the presidential election? It's Trump versus Biden. Well, I, would I, I, I wouldn't vote for either of them. But, Governor, if, can I just... I would, that's a cop-out. give me that. No, it's not a cop-out. That's out. a cop-out. You, you, you would, want me you to would choose. give away your right to vote? No, no I would vote for everybody down ticket. But I'm not going to vote for... Look, that's a choice between someone who I don't believe is capable anymore of the presidency, which is Joe Biden, and somebody who... You believe that, be. that Trump was capable Trump at one point. Trump is 40 yeah, okay, days so away from... Okay, so I admitted I was wrong. Is that Okay. No. At this point, why is why are we talking to Chris Christie on The View? Why are we talking about The View? That's the even better question. <laughs> um, after talking about Chris Christie and The View, I think a lot of people could use a beverage right now. And if you need a reason to drink tonight, happy 21st birthday to Greta Thunberg. Uh. The Swedish environmental activist. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? How dare you? Did did she have to delete the tweet where she said the world was going to end in five years? Because five years later, we're still we're still here. Right. That's kind of the thing, right? Didn't Al Gore say like 30 years ago? They've been saying it for decades. Yeah. So, in honor of uh, Greasy Greta's 21st birthday, great moments in Greta history, and it's loosely related to Greta, this is when some Russian radio DJs pranked Maxine Waters and acted like they were Greta (laughs) and talking about how Donald Trump wanted to put her in a cage. He he laid it towards me and said softly, listen to me carefully, little girl, Uh, you will never achieve your goal. He said you will never achieve your goal? He continued. Oh my goodness. Did you ask him if he would rethink signing the Paris Agreement? Was that your question to him? Yes, yes, that was. Uh, he <laughs> added that I already have a separate cage for all of you. <laughs> I was crying. Oh my God, did you cry? Yes, I was crying, and even I'm crying now. <laughs> <laughs> Got a separate cage for each of you. And dumbass Maxine Waters <laughs> falls for it. <laughs> so good. Oh man, great moments in Greta yeah. history. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, 
listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Did you guys mention the uh, the the broad that showed her boobs on ESPN yesterday? Mentioned it. I filmed it and posted <laughs> it on our Twitter account. <laughs> well, ESPN apologizing for airing a video of a woman. She was bare-chested during their telecast of the Sugar Bowl on Monday night. But they, let me give me a break. They were on Bourbon Street. Right. But I here's the thing, say. though. It was clearly a pre-recorded B-roll, as it's known as. How do you not see the chick looking up at the sky, <laughs> pulling her shirt down to whip out a can? Well, I mean, Bourbon Street is its very... F- it's a famous place for that kind of activity, as well as a, a classic Hammer and Nigel DVD. Thanks to ESPN broadcasting a woman flashing one of her fun bags on Bourbon Street during a college semifinal game, get ready for the return of Girls Gone Wild! Make sure to watch this Monday's National Championship game as ESPN cameras will cruise Houston streets for any women willing to pop top for a national audience. (laughs) Yes, don't forget that famous woo. The loud, obnoxious sound women make to try to prove to others they're having a good time. (laughs) Girls Gone Wild, a fun throwback when porn wasn't free, but obviously getting buzzed college girls to flash for hats was. Girls Gone Wild. I remember those videos, you know, cassettes cassette tapes along with like the faces of death ones remember Ugh. those yeah the faces of death that came first before girls gone wild right but those were the ones you'd see advertising no, the, like late at night on television no, the faces of death was just a, a montage like a reel of people dying in gruesome ways right that, that's what faces of death was and right? i don't know what this says about our country it was incredibly popular <laughs> incredibly popular it was like a cultural thing before you know Whatever it means to become viral is. Right. I mean, everybody knew about the faces of death. Those late night infomercials, it was faces of death, it was girls gone, gone wild. wild, and then music, if you wanted the cassette tapes, it was Freedom Rock. Freedom Rock. Hey, man, is that Freedom Rock? <laughs> well, turn it up, man. Love Freedom Rock. Um, we both kind of got involved in radio when we were pretty young, Nige. And I think we both worked at the same station, The Bear. 104.5 The Bear, yes. And I got there when it was 93.9, when it was on Death's Door. Yeah, I think I was still there for that transition, too. I was just a late-night yeah. weekend scrub over there. Yeah, I'd worked there for two years, two long years. But we've each played a lot of John Michael Montgomery songs in our day. You oh, remember yeah. John Michael Montgomery, right? She's an eight, she's nine, she's a ten, I know. Right. Ruby red lips, blonde hair, blue eyes. I'm about to kiss my heart. Goodbye! He's kicking off his farewell tour this month. Says he's not retiring from music, just tours. Quote, I've been fortunate and blessed to be able to do what I love for so many years. Please join me as I say goodbye to road life. Oh, Okay. So is that different than like what the Rolling Stones and Garth Brooks do when they have like these farewell tours year after year? If he comes out and says, "Look, I'm still making music. I just don't want to go out and see your stupid faces anymore." Um, no, no, this is different than the Stones. I mean, Stones are still making new music and going out on the road. Yeah, but they say they're not going to do it anymore, but yet they do it every year. Same thing with Kiss. Kiss. Yeah. Kiss does the same thing. And if you remember back during COVID, when all of that was going on, the great toilet paper shortage. Remember when everybody was buying up oh, the toilet yeah. paper yeah. during the early stages of COVID? Hammer and Nigel Records had a little tribute to <laughs> what was going on with toilet paper inspired by John Michael Montgomery. 
Montgomery. <laughs> yeah, I want to check food line and CVS for some baby wipes or even some depends. But to my surprise, there were empty aisles. They're sold out of toilet paper, wouldn't you know? That's my last two stops. Nowhere left to go. My CVS receipt will last me through the night. But there's 13 days till I resupply. <laughs> Little uh, flashback to uh, COVID insanity. We, we were, the people were insane back then. I mean, I, I think the most insane thing I did was I rubbed down a half a pack of Miller Lite with the, with the <laughs> antiseptic wipes. And I really, I got like halfway through and I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Yeah. That was probably the, the height of my insanity. But the toilet paper thing, I really just didn't get. Uh, coming up after four, we are waiting patiently for the Epstein list. If we get anything, we'll pass it along to you. On the way, the interview with the attorney in regards to the Greenwood Mall shooting, fun facts for kids. Oh, no. All of that is coming That's back. Great. You do not want to miss our four o'clock hour. Come on back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Hammer, according to USA Today, the names of nearly 200 friends, associates, victims, and opponents of pedophile financier Jeffrey Epstein will be released at some point today the list of names believed to include top figures in entertainment politics business all pulled all cold from hundreds of sealed court filings about the epstein case who um by the way <laughs> killed himself in prison quote unquote wink wink <laughs> guards fell asleep there's no t- videotape of the incident a lot of coincidences um, there. A lot so, of coincidences. So I don't know. Now, just because the, they're going to unseal some of these official court documents doesn't mean that we're going to like have, you know, people are going to be arrested instantaneously oh, no. or anything like that. <laughs> no, this. no. Nothing is going to happen to all so, of these people. Who, who exactly was on his plane? Who was on the island? I mean, really, the only people that have paid for this uh, in some way, shape, or form are Epstein and his his pimp, Ghislaine Maxwell. Who and that's re- a shame. There needs to be more going yeah, I mean, on there, here. There were people taking advantage of these young girls on this awful island. Where's that list? That list was apparently sealed up by Leakin Lion James Comey's daughter at the trial for Ghislaine Maxwell. Now, mind you, that and again we pointed this out before Comey's daughter was the prosecutor she was not the defense of Ghislaine Maxwell yet demanded that that list be sealed up anyway and I promise you as the crazy plain lady has made it clear I am telling you right (laughs) now if that list was nothing but Republican politicians they would have never sealed that up to begin with but everybody needs to understand when was the last time there was a government document supposedly yeah. leaked out that you actually got excited for and it lived up to the hype? I'm still waiting. It never does. I mean, I'm already getting you know Bill Clinton's name mentioned prominently throughout these documents. Right. But it still doesn't necessarily imply. I believe some nefarious activity went on between Bill Clinton on that island, sure. Just my opinion, my speculation. I mean, what was that weird painting Epstein had in his apartment of Bill Clinton in Monica Lewinsky's dress? The famous stained dress. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's something going on there. 
But there's a picture of Donald Trump with Jeffrey Epstein. Now, what does that mean? Might mean something, might not be anything. We talked about this yesterday. There's a picture of me and the creeper from Subway, Jared, at a Super Bowl party in like 2009. I see that every day. It's framed on your desk. (laughs) It's not framed on my desk. (laughs) But this was long before all the weird stuff came out there. So just because you've got a picture with somebody, I mean, I almost have a picture with O.J. Simpson, too, because I saw him in Aruba. I chose not to get that That, picture, That was post-murder. Right. That's when he was still looking for the real killers down Uh, in Aruba. But be prepared to be a letdown. I know we're all on pins and needles wanting to see names, right? We want to play the gotcha game. I'm just telling you, I've seen this movie before. Be prepared to be let down. These things never live up to the hype that you want it to. Uh, Next week, the U.S. House Homeland Security Committee will formally begin impeachment proceedings against Alejandro Mayorkas. Alejandro! Alejandro! He is the DHS uh, leader for Joe Biden's disastrous border situation right now. Now, listen, this should have happened a long time ago. This Republican House doesn't get, you know, cookies and a golf clap because they're finally moving forward with this. This guy has been a dumpster fire for a long time. And he's gaslighting you. He's glass. He's telling you there's no problem at the border. Oh, no, the border's closed. As far as I'm concerned, nobody's getting through. Meanwhile, we had another record month in December of border crossers. 300,000. That became the number in December. For the first time in the history of this country, over 300,000 people came across the United States border. That's a big number. That's a scary number. And this guy should have been out of a job a long time ago. We have a Pete Buttigieg update, which means for the first time this year, we need the Pete Buttigieg theme music. Well, it turns out cells of the electric cars have not been going well. No, not at all. Kind of in the tank. So... Biden's transportation secretary, old Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, jumped on CNBC and says that the problem is that the American public needs to be re-educated on how to use an electric vehicle. You got any theories as to why uh, the adoption curve may not be what some forecasted a couple of years ago? Yeah, I mean, at the outset, I want to make clear it's still growing. It's just a matter of the rate of growth. But we are seeing it go through some ups and downs. Uh, We need to make sure that we keep pushing the upfront cost, the sticker price uh, of EVs into a range where more and more Americans feel like uh, like it's to their benefit and uh, feel confident making that choice. Uh, But we know that there are going to be some fluctuations. We also have to make sure there's the charging infrastructure to support that for uh, for long road trips. And simultaneously, uh, we need to make sure that there's a level of education domestically about the charging capacity many people already have and don't know it. What I mean by that is uh, a majority of Americans live in a single-family home uh, where they might be surprised to realize that all you need technically for charging infrastructure is a plug in the wall. Of course, some people might get a level two charger or something that's that's a little faster, but uh, a lot of people have more capacity than they already realize for uh, for charging these EVs. Boy, they really just want Americans to go all in on the EV, don't they? They really they want to get rid of the fossil fuels, and they just want you know zero carbon emissions by 
2025 if they could. Did you see how many people traveled over Thanksgiving and Christmas? Big on number. airplanes? Big number. Seven and a half million people to the airport? I got bad news for you, Mayor Pete. You ain't getting rid of fossil fuels anytime soon. I think there are some EVs that are pretty cool. I would if I would drive a Tesla to and from work if I could if 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 that were in my price range. Totally. Um but it's just, you know, it doesn't have to be a binary choice. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I think you could still, I mean, no, yeah, you're right. Nobody's, he's right. Nobody's buying these expensive, these, these $80,000, $90,000, you know, SUVs from shit, like Silverados that are all electric vehicle, you know, an EV. No, it's just, Nobody can afford them, and especially with the with the with the auto unions renegotiating with their employees, giving them a huge pay raise. Nobody's going to be able to afford a gas-powered car, let alone an EV. And it's not because the American public is too stupid to know oh, how yeah. to plug that's, them in. That's the other thing. Well, we need to send the re-education camps for electric vehicles. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's that's a great way to put it, Mayor Pete. Thank you. You know what I kind of miss? I kind of miss when Donald Trump was trying to say Buttigieg's last name. <laughs> Boot edge edge. Boot edge edge. Boot edge edge. Say edge like the edge of a building. Edge edge. Boot edge edge. <laughs> Alfred E. Newman. I miss that. Kind of miss the old man trying to figure out the proper way to say Buttigieg. Alfred E. Newman. Emma and Nigel presents is It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I'll run some stories by you. You break down all of the information and you give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? We start with this. Dateline, Oklahoma. A family cat saved the family dog because the dog was being attacked by two coyotes. Coyotes! <laughs> I was waiting for it. Can I get it one more time? Coyotes! Binks is the name of the cat, and Oakley was the name of the dog that was in trouble when the coyotes... Coyotes! ...started attacking, but then the family cat jumped in, and it was like the Royal Rumble in WWE. Nice. Stone Cold going in there, throwing people over the ring. Here are the owners of the cat and the dog talking about what happened. Out of nowhere, was attacked by a coyote. Jumped down and scared him off is the craziest thing ever. Thankfully, we had security cameras. We were able to go back and actually look to see what happened. It was inspiring to see just our little outdoor cat just <laughs> jump at two coyotes that were attacking this little dog who she loves and run him off. Coyotes! Coyotes smuggling millions of people across the border. No, but real, real coyotes are no joke. My my buddy's mom had a little Pomeranian puppy, lived out in the middle of a cornfield one summer night, late 90s, and let it out to, uh, you know, she's sitting there doing dishes, watching watching the dog go out, and uh, a coyote just came wandering out of that cornfield and snatched that Pomeranian oh. up. And, was, yeah, my buddy's mom was just a mess, freaked out, carried carried the Pomeranian back into the cornfields. Like, I literally just picked it up, but, like, walked through. Ever like, find any remains? No, 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 no. I swear to God, though, I mean, there's coyotes are like, I feel like they're becoming more and more common in, in certain 
areas of towns and cities where you normally wouldn't see them. I think we had one kind of, it was either a coyote or a fox kill a duck. And they buried it in my mulch in the front yard. Good a lord! Years it was ago. like a mafia coyote. Yeah, yeah exactly. They built was, a shallow was, grave for him. <laughs> Tell your it, friends what you it, saw. It, it was either a coyote or a fox. I think I think it was a fox running around, but it killed the duck. And my son—I mean, it was probably five years ago—and he's got his toy little shovel there digging in the mulch. Uh, Dad, what's this? I'm like, oh, oh crap. no, no. Yeah, that's horrible. So those, those animals don't mess around, man. Stay away from them. Great moments in coyote <laughs> history. Major League Baseball pitcher Nolan Ryan, one of the greatest pitchers and also one of the great red asses of all yes. time. Uh, Nolan Ryan once missed a start, one single start, because he injured his fist punching a coyote. <laughs> Did it bite him? They have to go get twenty rabies shots. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, missed oh, one oh, start. Oh oh, oh oh oh. Today's baseball pitchers, they'd be out for the season. Nolan Ryan was like, "Stitch me up. I'm going to miss one start, and I'm going to be all right." Is this anything? A pothole in Michigan is getting attention after someone put a big-ass recliner, a chair, inside of the hole, (laughs) and it blew up online. From there, an entire living room scene has been added around the pothole. I'm looking at it right now. It's hilarious. Here are the people talking about (laughs) the situation. We've got speakers, a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, and we have some really nice cones that accentuate the chair. That's actually how I'm going to redesign my living room. Road infrastructure really sinks, you know, with all these potholes. I don't want someone's car to get broken. I don't want something bad to happen. Get people out here and and hopefully inspire the city to make some changes. Yeah, that's just embarrassing for that whatever city that is in Michigan. And welcome to the party, Bal. I mean, that's something we've been dealing with for years. But I don't know that I've seen a pothole big enough to where you could stick an entire recliner in. And yeah, and people started smart asses like they put up a side table. And there's like an ottoman, a couple of speakers. Right. And uh, It's better than most people's apartment right. out there right now. Yeah. This pothole with a recliner in it. I love how it. the community has come together to make it more, um, to, to make it more uh, not as much of an eyesore. Right. And it's kind of homey. Yeah, you could go yeah. relax in the pothole. You know, Michigan should have hired me to write one of those pure Michigan jingles oh, yeah. about their potholes, yeah. because I've done that before. Remember a few years ago, oh, yeah. I worked with the Indiana Department of Transportation mm-hmm. to come up with this ad campaign about potholes in Indy. Crushing. Bone rattling. Suspension breaking. Those are just some of the ways people describe potholes in Indianapolis. Very true. While most cities have some bumps that cause a slight inconvenience, Indy takes it up a notch with potholes so big they can swallow a Buick. (laughs) The holes you hit in Indy cause crashing and shaking so intense that even the purest of souls will lose their virginity upon impact. (laughs) From the crumbling terrain of Keystone Avenue to the tire-flattening roads of Lyndhurst, the treacherous roads of Indianapolis, all serve as a reminder that life is a bumpy ride, and eventually we will all be pulverized, wet, and angry, and stranded on the side of the road. (laughs) While I've never been to Afghanistan or the moon, (laughs) I can only imagine the roads there are much better. 
And they don't have their mayor wearing customized neon jackets, smiling for photos as my Chrysler LeBaron is stranded on the side of the damn road with a shredded tire and alignment damage. Pure violence. Pure automotive damage. Pure potholes in Indianapolis. Your trip starts today on the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm telling you, Michigan missed a big opportunity by not hiring us. Were you taking a little dig there at Photo Op Joe? Uh, with the, uh, was that him in the, the yellow neon? And I think vest? it was a bedazzled vest, too. I think I saw like some <laughs> sequins on it and some glitter. <laughs> a very manly roadside <laughs> vest. Got time for one more. Let's do one more. Is this anything? A New Jersey couple got a surprise when they welcomed their twin boys on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Born in separate years, Ezra was born at 11.48 p.m. New Year's Eve. Ezekiel was born at 12.28 a.m. New Year's Day. Here are the parents. The doctor was like, well, there's two heartbeats. And I was like, let me see. I don't believe you. And I was in shock. I'm like, what a great birthday gift. I get two boys on my birthday. So I was still pushing when everyone's doing the countdown. And we just said, all said Happy New Year in the middle of me trying to push out baby B. I just know they're going to be world changers. And they couldn't share the same day, right? They needed their own spotlight. Seeing them in person and seeing their faces, I was like, they're so cute. I'm so glad they're healthy uh, i have a question what she didn't know that she had twins is that normal going into a pregnancy i mean you you get like three ultrasounds right right i mean like to be surprised that you have twins that's that's not a normal thing is it and plus you know tax purposes that kind of sucks for the baby that was born you know on new year's day Unless he was the first baby born, because then there are scholarship opportunities, you <laughs> right. get cash and rewards and all types of things like that. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel Hammer right over there with a special guest in studio. A lawsuit has been filed against Simon Property Group and a security company in connection with the 2022 shooting at the Greenwood Park Mall. Left three people dead and the shooter dead. Greg Laker is the lead attorney representing the family from Cohen and Malad. Uh, Greg, let's start with, I think, the biggest question on the board here. What are you blaming the mall and the security staff for here? So we believe that Simon had a duty to appreciate a security threat. And uh, Sapirman, the shooter, literally walked from his apartment um, across the entire length of the Simon Mall parking lot, past mobile um, security people, past dozens of cameras, past the anchor store dicks that have cameras on the outside, down a courtyard with cameras, into the mall with cameras, and then proceeded into the men's restroom in the food court for more than an hour. And in that hour and 15 or hour and 20 minute period, uh, we believe that um, Sapirman, dressed as he was, carrying a long, oddly shaped backpack into the mall, should have been flagged as a 
profiled serial killer, and somebody should have checked on him while he was there in the mall. Then you're re- representing a, a single family or, or multiple families? So our my clients are mom and dad and two girls. Okay. One of their daughters was shot. Yes. The other girl was present. The other daughter, who was a minor, was present, saw her sister being mm. shot, laying in a pile, puddle mm. of blood, mm. and she herself started to run and um, got shot. Her person and belongings in her hands were shot. He was shooting at her after he had already shot the sister. Um, and she eventually got out of the mall and away. So, in essence, this is about security. The mall promises security. They've got cameras in place. And nobody was making sure that security was taking place. Is that correct? That's exactly right. I mean, we've talked to multiple witnesses who were at the mall that day, including people from out of state who've commented on the fact that it was just eerily uh, quiet in terms of a security presence in the mall. And one of the things that we're anxious to learn more about is our client literally saw a security guard leave the mall at 5 o'clock, an hour before the mall closes, right out of the door of the food court. So, the food court is packed with people. There's a security guard there that decides it's time to go home at 5 o'clock, an hour before the mall closes, and certainly before the shooting. So, what are you looking to get for these families? What are the families looking for in this? Well, um, obviously, they want to be adequately compensated for what they've been through. Their daughter spent a month in the hospital, had multiple surgeries, still has chronic daily pain pain from fragments of the bullet that's still inside of her and but by far and away the biggest damages in this case are just the utter emotional devastation of the girls and the entire family i mean this family has become pretty much a prisoner in their own home because they're afraid to go out in public for fear of things like yeah. this happening again i'm trying to figure out greg how i mean i know there was like you mentioned the walk from his apartment through dick sporting goods through the parking lot I, um but there <laughs> Like, nothing short of a metal detector could have stopped somebody from bringing a gun in uh, to the shopping mall, I feel like. And thank God for Eli Dickin, by the way, who eventually was the one that took down the shooter. Unquestionably. I mean, thank God he was present when he was and was able to, I mean, as skilled as he was to be able to take down the shooter in in short order or dozens of people would be killed and not just three. Um, but, But I would disagree with you in that. Simon employs the biggest security company in the world to train their people to watch for shooters exactly like Sapirman and to look for packages like this guy had on his back um, as they walk into the mall. And so, we believe there was ample time for somebody, if they're watching the video screens that day and if all the cameras are working, somebody should say, hey, this guy looks odd coming in, the way he's dressed, the way he looks, carrying this backpack. Somebody needs to do something. Have you heard from Simon or the security company or even the Greenwood Police Department? Um, What's been their response? We haven't heard anything from Simon or from their security company. Um, We've tried to get records from Greenwood Police Department, Indiana State Police, multiple um, police departments investigated this case, but they won't release any records to us until a lawsuit is on file and we can actually subpoena the records. So, we now have access to get all the investigation and and videos and statements that were given back in July of 22. What are you expecting 
like like because I know Simon has a huge legal department. Yeah. I'm, I'm I mean they've got hundreds and hundreds of lawyers, and I know one of one of them actually. And I'm not discuss this case. It's the first time I've I've heard heard this case. But is it is it a thing where they're so big and so massive that they might try to throw a bunch of tricks, not tricks, but a bunch of you know lawyer legal stuff, stuff. Your, a bunch of legal stuff your way, or is it a thing where they might say this this Listen, this is going to cost a lot of money for us to litigate this. Um, there might be a settlement in the future. I mean, what, what's your feeling of, of of Simon and their you know they're a giant corporation with lots of lawyers? I, I can tell you that um, I expect that this case is going to be heavily litigated and hotly fought, both in motion practice and in depositions. And you know, this is the kind of case that our firm does around the country. So we're used to the fight, and and we look forward to it because we've got wonderful clients that have been had their lives devastated and and uh, we'll do what we need to do to to bring this to um, to a conclusion one way or the other this happened in 2022 right correct what can you explain why it's taken so long for I mean you know almost two years now for, yeah for- absolutely what I can tell you is that um, I have been talking to the family regularly about whether they are emotionally ready for this media blitz that's happened the last two days since we filed the case and frankly until recently, um, the girls just were not in a place emotionally where they were ready for um, the onslaught of media and attention that's come from filing this case. Um, after the holidays, the clients said, you know, we think we're ready. And I said, well, we've got the lawsuit ready to go. You give me the green light. And, and they did. So we got it on file. Greg Laker is our guest. He is the elite attorney uh, for the families that were tragically involved in the Greenwood Park Mall shooting back in 2022. He's with Cohen and Malad. The fact that the mall, Simon Mall, Greenwood Park Mall, is a gun-free zone, does that play into anything here? Well, you know, uh, it certainly does and will. And, you know, part of our... um struggles with the case, but also a blessing with the case is the fact that if not for the Good Samaritan who had his own gun in the mall, who violated the rule, thank God, exactly, um, was able to take the shooter down in a a relatively short period of time. So, um, you know, what we hope is, look, the technology in this industry is changing so fast. You walk into the Colts game now, and you can walk through medical metal detectors yeah. that you don't even have to slow down for. There are lots of things that Simon can do to hopefully prevent other mass shootings at their malls. But, you know, we scratch our head. Simon, who's located here, who have their control center for security here in Indianapolis, have had four shootings in malls in the last year. And and an episode at Castleton over the holidays where three masked men with Glocks converted to be machine guns are able to walk into the mall. I mean, come on, Simon, we need to do better. What's been the reaction since you've kind of rolled this out? You mentioned there's been a bit of a media blitz the last 24, 48 hours. I know our newsroom's covering it. Every TV station in the city is covering it. What's been the response you've gotten? 
It's been um, incredibly positive for the family, and I think that um, most of the people that have talked to the family can appreciate that emotional devastation that's happened. I mean, the the daughter talking about seeing her sister in a pool of blood, not knowing whether she's alive or dead, not not being able to um, do anything, and and the oldest daughter who was shot basically saying, "I was smart enough to lay there and play dead, so I wouldn't be shot wow. again." I mean, it is. It is literally being stuck into a horror movie for real life, and yep. they've had to live that ordeal. Here's what I'm thinking, though. You've been doing this a lot longer than I have, and then and with the resources that Simon has, like if they settle with you, then they're going to have to come to other settlements. Like this is this is the first lawsuit, I'm assuming, correct of, of its kind. Yes, and there were a lot of other people in that mall, including. I, and I don't know whether there's, there's been settlements with the deceased. At all, I'm, I'm not sure there. But what, I was, what I'm saying is, Simon says, "Well, we settled with this guy, and this family. We're going to go finding ourselves in a settlement after settlement after settlement after settlement, and that's why I think." You might have a fight on your hands here. <laughs> we I mean, fully, that's what you know we what I mean? Ex- absolutely, and we fully Does expect that. Does my logic that. make sense? Yeah, of course. I, I know of other lawyers who represent the families who lost family members, and those lawsuits haven't been filed. To my knowledge, those cases okay. haven't been settled. And I fully expect that my firm and two or three other firms in town will be working together from the plaintiff's standpoint against Simon to try to bring justice to these families. So, what's next? What's the timeline here? So, these things seem to take forever. They, they do. And, and I mean, people have asked that question. An average lawsuit in Marion County takes between two and three years. I fully expect this one could easily go on the, on the long end of that. And um, what will happen is we'll hear from Simon's lawyers and from Allied's lawyers. Look, it's certainly possible when we get investigations, there's going to be additional parties that we have to bring into the lawsuit. But all that exchange of information is going to go on for months to maybe a year or more. Then depositions are going to start being taken. And all that has to happen before there can ever be any negotiations yeah. that take place. So, we're in it for the long haul. The family knows that, and, and uh, they're ready for it. Greg Laker, he is the lead attorney in this lawsuit filed against the Greenwood Park Mall, their security company. Greg, please keep us up to date on this, because a lot of people have a fascinating vested interest in this story. Happy to do that, Jason. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Both Thank of you great. so much. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. And Nigel, I think it's time for some fun facts for kids. <sighs> it's time for Hammer and Nigel's Fun Facts for Kids. Wonderful. These are little pieces of information, nuggets, if you will, that the younger listeners of this program can enjoy. And everything is a true fact, okay? We often get criticized, you know, we're too adult heavy on this program. So we like to do this segment for the younger listeners of the Hammer and Nigel show. Okay. A rat's teeth never stop growing. And if you try to flush a rat down the toilet, It can hold its breath for a long time and tread water for up to three days. So, in theory, it may come back up through the toilet and bite you with its really sharp teeth when you poop. Fun facts for kids! According to FBI statistics, the average person will walk past 36 murderers in their lifetime. So, remember, kids, every time you go somewhere... There may be somebody trying to kill you and your family. Fun facts for kids. I'm sorry. How was? How would a kid find that fun? 
that, that fact fun. Hey, kids, did anybody get a phone for Christmas? Or maybe you play on your parents' phones. Well, guess what? The average cell phone has 10 times the bacteria found on most moist toilet seats. Fun facts you, for kids! I mean, was the word moist really necessary? These are real facts, Nigel. Kids, is anybody fighting a cold? I know there's a little bit of a bug going around. Each year, hundreds of people break a rib by sneezing. Fun facts <laughs> for kids! Did it happen to a Major League Baseball player where he injured himself, his back or something, because he was... Sammy Sosa. Was it Sammy Sosa? <laughs> now, there may have been some other substances sure. that were you know, playing Jekyll yeah. and Hyde with his body at that point, but that's the excuse that he gave. This is a true fact. The amount of dead people in graves outnumber the living by a 15 to 1 ratio. So if there's ever a zombie apocalypse, someone is going to kill you pretty damn quick. Fun facts for kids! How would a, how would a kid find that funny? Or, or completely entertaining or insightful in any way, shape, or form? Hey kids, do you have a doctor's appointment coming up? Remember, there are over 650 deaths a day in the United States just because of medical error. Fun facts for kids! Man. It's widely believed that your hearing is the last sense you lose when you die. So if you're sick and your hearing's starting to go away, get ready, kids. The darkness is creeping in. Fun facts for kids. Hear the radios clicking off of families that listen to this show. According to FDA regulations, canned mushrooms that contain liquid are allowed to contain, quote, 20 or more maggots of any size per 100 grams before they're deemed a defective product. Fun facts for kids! I am going to... I'm removing my headphones. I'm going to go throw up. <laughs> 19. Okay. That, you know, that's fine. But 20 or more, now we got to have a conversation about how many maggots are involved in your canned mushrooms. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! So we have the, the, the Joe Biden impeachment inquiry right. going on for the past month or so, trying to decide whether they want to proceed with uh, trying to impeach Joe Biden, the president. And now we have Alejandro Mayorkas. Alejandro! Alejandro! He is the uh, the Department of Homeland Security guy, right? Right. And they are the the U.S. House Homeland Security Committee, formally beginning impeachment proceedings against Alejandro. What took so long? Well, I mean, <laughs> three hundred thousand border encounters in December alone in twenty twenty three. Hammer back in nineteen uh, twenty nineteen. I was looking up on some stats up there in the news. It was like seventy eight thousand. And this is the same loser who said the border is not open. We don't need a wall. Like he has been wrong about every single thing of all the idiots that are in Washington. Right. Joe Biden, Corrine Jean-Pierre, Kamala Harris. I'm willing to go on a limb here and say that Alejandro Mayorkas is the most unqualified person at their job. 
This guy is a total zero. I mean, you see what's happening at the border. And he gaslights. And every one of these hearings and every one of these things where he sits in front of a committee, in front of a senator, a congressman, he, he's, like you said, no, the border's not open. It's not. It's fine. 300,000 border encounters in December alone. And much like the Harvard president, who we're going to get to here in just a moment, <laughs> former Harvard president, this dude could be fired for multiple reasons, in addition to just flat-out incompetence at allowing people to cross the border. If you remember when the attack happened from Hamas against the Israelis at that concert, when all of that got going, there was a member of his staff, Mayorkas staff at DHS, that was posting pro-Hamas propaganda That's right. on the account. And during one of these hearings that you referenced earlier, Nige, I think it was Missouri Senator Josh Hawley that simply wanted to know, why does this person still have a job with the Department of Homeland Security? What's going on here? Is this is this typical of, of people who work at DHS? This is an asylum and immigration officer who is posting these, frankly, pro genocidal slogans and images on the day that Israelis are being slaughtered in their beds. What have you done about this? Four things I'd like to say to you. Number one, your question to suggest that that is emblematic of the men and women of the Department of Homeland Security is despicable. I'm sorry, what have you, this person works for the Department of Homeland Security. Have you fired her? That was one of four answers. Have you fired her? One. Have you fired her? (laughs) Don't come to this hearing room when Israel has been invaded and Jewish students are barricaded in libraries in this country and cannot be escorted out because they are threatened for their lives. You have employees who are celebrating genocide and you are saying it's despicable for me to ask the question has she been fired it's a simple question and this back and forth goes on for a while and here's the conclusion of that chat has she been fired because i will not like an answer would you because i will not be given the opportunity has she been fired so uh, that individual has been placed on administrative leave so she's not been fired number two why has she not been fired number two the individual was hired in 2019 why has she not been fired three (laughs) i cannot speak to an ongoing personnel matter Uh, why why has this person not been fired your answer is you can't speak to it the this isn't sufficient to fire her i am not not in a position to speak to an ongoing personnel matter. This that, isn't sufficient to fire her? That's what you're telling me? That is not what I'm saying. But she's still on your payroll as we sit here today. So again, there are multiple reasons, multiple, that this loser should have been out on his backside a long time ago. So if you're expecting me to applaud the Republicans for finally moving forward here, you've come to the wrong place. This should have happened a long time ago. Um, We mentioned it earlier. Claudine Gay, the former president at Harvard, her exodus is not quite going to be as bad as you think it is. She did resign, right? Finally. Finally, Finally, after after six more examples of plagiarism came out. A total of 50, I believe. (laughs) Good Um, God. Her resume just wasn't that impressive to begin with. She was a total DEI hire, and she was the shortest president in the history of Harvard. And it's funny how liberal heads are spinning that she was encouraged to resign. I'm sorry, but the New York 
Times wrote op-ed pieces about her needing to resign. The Atlantic, the liberal rag, uh, Washington Post, uh, a lot of liberal outlets were calling for her resignation. Not only because, I mean, forget the uh, anti-Semitism stuff. You know, the the anti-Israel protests on her campus. Which cost other heads of universities their jobs. uh, Penn. Yes. Penn. Um, And that was a white woman, and she was asked to resign. But somehow, Claudine Gay resigning is all due to racism. I mean, you read that apology letter, there was no apology at all. Her resignation letter is what I'm speaking. There's no apology. I, 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 me, 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 racism, racism, racism. But the good news for her, she's still employed. Yes. She's not going to be the president anymore, but she's faculty at Harvard. She's going to make about $900,000 a year, keep all of her benefits, and now she can go on the speaker tour where she's a professional victim and make even more money. Don't tell me America isn't the greatest country in the world when you can be as grossly unqualified as Mayorkas and Claudette Gay, Claudine Gay, and still make a crap ton of money. Both of those guys, Mayorkas and Gay, they have multiple reasons why they should not be employed, and they act like they're the victims here. Now, if you're talking about the plagiarism here, let's not forget the commander-in-chief Oh, wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden, he knows a thing or two about plagiarism. But this standard is not a measure of how we can evaluate the condition of our society. It cannot measure the health of our children, the quality of our education, the joy of their play. Yet the gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education, or the joy of their play. That's Kennedy. Let us pledge that our generation of Americans will pay any price, bear any burden, accept any challenge and meet any hardship to secure the blessings of prosperity and the promise of opportunity for our children. We shall pay any price, (laughs) bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Democratic presidential candidate Joseph Biden today faces a controversy. Three weeks ago at a debate at the Iowa State Fair, he used phrases identical to those delivered by British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock. Why is it that my wife is sitting out there in the audience is the first in her family to ever go to college? Why is Janice the first woman in her family in a thousand generations? To be able to get the university. My ancestors who worked in the coal mines oh, in northeast gosh. Pennsylvania and come up after 12 hours and play football. Eight hours underground and then come up and play football. <laughs> because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. This is phenomenal. No platform upon which they could stand. You plagiarizing wow. old goat. <laughs> I mean, he had to end his presidential campaign in 88 for this exact reason. Yes. And President Obama, Barack Obama, doesn't seem to have a problem with any of it. Hired him as his VP and then privately backed Claudine Gay uh, as, a, you know, lobbied for her to remain as president of Harvard. Now, on the subject of Joe Biden, the national debt has officially rolled over and topped $34 trillion for the first time in the history of this nation. $34 trillion. That's a Democrat and a Republican 
problem. By yes, the way. that is. You're 100 percent right. But Joe Biden, and here's the damnedest thing, Nige. Joe Biden keeps saying that he cut the debt in half by 1.7 billion trillion billion trillion. <laughs> I cut the national debt by one trillion seven hundred billion dollars. We literally cut the federal debt in half by one point four trillion dollars. One trillion seven hundred billion dollars. <laughs> one trillion seven hundred billion dollars cut. We cut the debt by one point seven billion in the last two years. Let me say that again. <laughs> one point seven trillion dollars. I reduced the budget by one point seven billion. We cut the federal debt in half. Fact. Really? In the first years of my administration, I cut the debt by $1.7 trillion. $1.7 billion. $1.7 trillion. $1 dollars. I cut the debt by a million dollars. You might as well have said that. $1.7 billion in the grand scheme of things, when you're talking about $31 trillion in debt, is a drop in the bucket. He might as well have said $1 million. And on top of that, it went up. You didn't cut <laughs> yeah. anything, you lying sack of crap. It went up. It's at $34 trillion for the first time ever. It's never been there before. You didn't cut a damn thing. Okay, Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, yeah! All right, Hammer Sean Hannity, longtime mainstay over at Fox News, has announced he's leaving New York. Actually, he's left New York. Moved to Florida full-time. Let's hear that. Finally, for the first time that I can think of in my adult life, I actually have representatives uh, in in the state that I'm living in that share my values. I have a governor by the name of Ron DeSantis. I have Senators Marco Rubio and Senator Rick Scott. Um, so I'm feeling a lot better about it. And I'm, I'm not going to go through the whys, the how comes, because it's obvious. This migration out of deep blue states with high taxes, burdensome regulation, high crime, horrible school districts is real. Are you okay with Sean Hannity now leaving his compound? I believe he was doing that show from a big place in Long Island. Moving down to Florida, no state income tax. Are you okay with this? Yes, 100%. And listen, I see a lot of people on social media saying, well, what took so long? But man, it's tough to leave the place that you call home. Sure. Right? I would love to have a warm weather home in Florida. But you know what? Indianapolis is my home. And if I ever get that opportunity, it's going to be a real tough decision for me. As bad as Indy is sometimes with the leadership, right? It's going to have to take something really bad for me to decide, all right, I am out of here. Now, I'm not going to lie. I may be close. But... Sean Hannity's been in New York for a long time. And New Yorkers, man, that's part of who they are. It's kind of a pride thing. We're from New York. We made it through 9-11. We made it through all these other things. Bleep you, we're New York. But now it's so different. The leadership has gone so far to the left and they're being invaded by you know the folks crossing the border, the crime situation, the lack of a legit prosecutor. 
I totally get it. Warm weather, low taxes, conservative leaders, Florida makes a lot of sense. So, yes, I'm with Sean Hannity on this one. I mean, he's not the only one that does. I mean, it's not uncommon for those people. Uh, immediate. I think Joe Scarborough and Mika Morning Joe do their their MSNBC show from Jupiter, Florida. Tucker has a place in Florida. For those nationally syndicated personalities, they're on cable news. They could do the do it from in, anywhere. I mean, Florida Hannity, and Texas both are hot spots yeah, for people to move. Absolutely, to. Nashville, I believe, as well. Yes, yes, Nashville. I'll be there this weekend. Actually, going down, taking yep. my wife down there for a little bit. And I've talked about this before. What I've seen from Nashville, and this is just my personal experience, other folks may vary. It's kind of like Indianapolis, right? About the same size, but they've got a much larger strip there, that Broadway strip. Yeah, a little more culture there, I believe. I just don't see as many bums and panhandlers in Nashville as I do here in downtown tourist areas of Indianapolis. Now, I'm sure if you get in the outskirts of Nashville, the back alleys, you're going to find a bunch of them. But on Broadway in Nashville, compared to downtown Monument Circle and Indy, both really big tourist areas, the amount of bums and drugs and panhandlers and poop and needles that you see here compared to there, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. Uh, Disney has announced they're handing over the $67 billion Star Wars franchise hammer to a woke Pakistani feminist activist. Here she is. You know, I'm very thrilled about the project because I think um, what we are about to create is something very special. And we're in 2024 now. And I think uh, it's about time that we had a woman uh, come forward uh, to shape the story in a galaxy far, far away. There's also footage of her uh, on some panel saying that she enjoys making men feel uncomfortable. Are you okay with the wokeification of Star Wars? No. And we're going to have this conversation tomorrow. We got a good guest, Bobby Burak, who's a writer for Outkick. He's going to come on with us. Last year was a rough year for the woke, right? Bud Light and Disney and a lot of these Target, a lot of these super progressive woke companies with their woke ideology they suffered massive financial loss now if you make a good star wars movie a good movie i don't care if it's a guy or a girl but if you're telling me you're going to force a woman's story down my throat then come on what are we doing here? Just make a I mean, good didn't, movie. Didn't Ray? Weren't the past three recent Star Wars movies about Ray? Right? Was that her name? Yeah, but I don't know if she was ever the main star, though. Right? Because you had, you know, Han Solo popping back up. Yeah, you had they Luke Skywalker killed off Luke Skywalker. Met his pathetic demise. It, it was. It, and here's the thing with these movies from Disney that are they're. Uh, we got to make them more diverse. We got more female. We we've got to have wokeness. And then and then blame the flame. It's really easy to get out. When this bombs, they're going to blame the fans because of white toxic masculinity. One hundred percent. That's why they didn't go see it. Wasn't that the excuse why the female Ghostbusters movie yeah. was a turd? When it was really just it was unfunny and dumb. Right. It was nowhere near in the same category as the original. And it was a turd, but it was toxic masculinity that was the problem. Now, I will say this about Disney. If somehow Donald Trump 
comes back and starts tweeting again. And he's on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. To me, it's always going to be Twitter. I kind of hope that we can start having Disney Snow White read Donald Trump tweets again. Remember when we used to have Snow White read (laughs) Donald Trump tweets? Democrats are becoming the party of late-term abortion, high taxes, open borders, and crime. I miss those days. I miss the chopper pressers, and I miss Snow White reading Donald Trump tweets. Juan Snow White just said the words late-term abortion on the show. Let's do another one. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un just stated that his nuclear button is on his desk at all times. Will someone from his depleted and food-starved regime please inform him that I, too, have a nuclear button? But it's a much bigger and more powerful one than his. And my button works. I miss those days. Snow White reading Trump tweets. This feud between Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel is hilarious, and I'm all (laughs) about it. Take us back to the beginning, though. Do we have an Epstein list yet? I thought the, the, the list... Of uh, Epstein's, you know, people that were on the plane on Pervert Island uh, was supposed to be released by the judge today. Has it happened yet? No. We've been waiting all day, and this is what I was afraid of. Everybody's going to get their hopes up and think they're going to get smoking gun, you know, information, and people are going to go to prison. None of that's going to happen. Like uh, they said, Bill Clinton. His name pops up like 50 times. We already knew that he was pals and close friends with Epstein. We didn't know that he'd been to the island and been on his plane. Hell, there was a painting, a weird painting. Oh, that is bizarre. At Jeffrey Epstein's quarters of Bill Clinton wearing the world-famous stained dress, like hanging up on the wall. Like he, that painting exists. He's like sitting, he's, he's, in a, he's sitting in a chair with that dress on and high heels. Yeah. Very bizarre. So Very strange. So we knew that Bill Clinton might be on the list. And, and All this, right, okay, fine. okay. And when we say list, we're not talking about a list of people known to have, you know, proven to have slept with underage women on that island, which we know it happened. Right. We we and there is a list somewhere. There is a record somewhere of that. Now, you can put two and two together. If somebody goes to that island 40 or 50 times, you know, I think you know what's going on there. Somebody that goes there for the first time, they get off the airplane, they walk in there, they see what's happening, they're like, holy hell, get me out of here. That's different than somebody that's been there 20, 30, 50 times. They're not going there for the, the fishing. No. Man, I love going on Epstein's jet skis. Been there 50 times. <laughs> yeah. You go there that many times, multiple times, you know what's going on. But we still don't have an official unveiling of names or anything yeah. like that yet. And as I said earlier, I want everybody to fully understand the way things work. Nobody that gets outed on this thing is probably going to go to jail. Now, should some of those people, if you can prove they had sex with children, Sure, absolutely. Throw them in jail, lock away the key. I don't care if they're a Republican. I don't care if they're a Democrat. You lock them away, you throw away the key. But nobody 
is going to get arrested. No one's going to get in trouble. The same way that during the summer of love, rioters, looters, basically all got away with everything. Oh, they Kamala Harris bailed him out. Hunter Biden, not going to jail. He's going to skate on everything. Joe Biden, not going to go to jail. He's going to skate on everything. So keep your expectations at a minimum here. Don't be so excited to see, oh, look at that politician. Look at that Hollywood star. I knew they were doing nefarious things. Just pump the brakes a little bit. Now, that being said, there are going to be some big time names that are unveiled whenever this list comes out. Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the New York Jets, <laughs> longtime Green Bay Packers quarterback. He took a little dig at Jimmy Kimmel on his appearance on the Pat McAfee show uh, I was this week. Wa- I was watching that live. That was pretty funny. Now, the Kimmel and Aaron Rodgers feud started about a year ago when yeah, Jimmy some, Kimmel made some, fun of Aaron Rodgers. There's something behind that. It wasn't just a random comment from Aaron Rodgers, and I didn't know the backstory. I think McAfee did a pretty good job of kind of explaining it. Well, here, I've got the audio okay. for you. So this the, was the, about a year ago. Um, Aaron Rodgers uh, appeared with Pat McAfee's show, and you know how Aaron is. He's kind of a conspiracy guy. And Jimmy he, Kimmel made fun of him on his late night talk show. This is say all this UFO talk has the tinfoil hatters going wild, including Green Bay whack packer Aaron Rodgers, who offered this hot take on the Pat McAfee show. I, I believe that this has been going on for a long time. Interesting uh, timing on everything. There's a lot of other things going on in the world. Did you hear about the Epstein client list uh, about to be released, too? What's that? What are you talking about? There's some files that have, have some names on it that might be uh, getting released pretty soon. Oh. Oh. <laughs> might be time to revisit that concussion protocol, Aaron. <laughs> so Jimmy Kimmel's okay. first reaction to Aaron Rodgers saying, hey, we might get some names on this Epstein list about a year ago. And I didn't think the UFO part was unusual at all. No. That's ma- pretty much mainstream media now. But why does it make someone a conspiracy theorist for wanting to know the names of potential pedophiles? You know, that's a weird response by Jimmy Kimmel. So, Aaron Rodgers fired back when he appeared with Pat McAfee earlier this week. It feels like that's supposed to be coming out soon. That's supposed to be coming out soon. Look, this guy's been waiting in his wine cellar. I've been waiting in my wine cellar for this thing. A lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't happen. All right. All right. Obviously, a clip from this particular program was run on Jimmy Kimmel's show uh, whenever Aaron brought up the the list, and then Jimmy mocked him for it. Mm -hmm. Aaron has not forgotten about that. (laughs) <laughs> I like how McAfee's running interference. <laughs> I like that show. It's it's interesting. It's really interesting when Aaron Rodgers comes on that show. I've heard he got paid. Like he gets paid pretty big, but it's a great show. chat every time he has it. Well, the feud continued when Jimmy Kimmel took to Twitter. Quote, dear AA hole. And he spelled the word you know, a-hole. I'm cleaning it up for the radio right there. A-A. Oh, like it's as an Aaron, two A's? Right. Okay. A-A, Ron. Dear <laughs> A-A-hole, for the record, I've not met, 
flown with, visited, or had any contact whatsoever with Epstein, nor will you find my name on any list other than the clearly phony nonsense that soft-brained wackos like yourself can't seem to distinguish from reality. Your reckless words put my family in danger. Keep it up, <laughs> and we will debate the facts further in court. Okay. I'm threatening a lawsuit guy. That's what Jimmy Kimmel is. Right. Is that what he's doing? Just don't threaten it. File it. Right. Either shut up yeah. or take him to court. Yeah. Do I believe Jimmy Kimmel was on an Epstein plane or knew had anything going on with him? No. I have no idea. I really don't. Maybe he was, maybe he was I keep wasn't. on seeing things on Twitter that uh, the, the Jimmy Kimmel, although he didn't know Epstein, was good friends with Epstein's personal chef. Okay. That's what I kept seeing today. Six degrees of separation with Jeffrey <laughs> Epstein. <laughs> but for a guy who makes a living taking cheap shots at people on television, yeah. he can dish it, but he sure as heck can't take How it. How is it putting his family in danger? Right. Like, he says way worse about Donald Trump and Ted Cruz yeah, and you name yeah, the Republican the thing is, I mean, Jimmy Kimmel did not like the fact that Aaron Rodgers was anti-COVID vax and was outspoken about it and is a four-time NFL MVP, Super Bowl winner. And that's, I mean, I think that's what this is really all about. Right. I mean, he doesn't like when, you know, successful athletes take a stance. Right. And you look at a lot of these folks on the left and like the indie star writer Greg Doyle is one of these people too. Like he's picked a side. He's openly rooting for Jimmy Kimmel. You can oh, see really? it in his tweets and all this kind I've, of stuff. I've long since muted him. I don't know. Everybody has just decided to bash Aaron Rodgers because he doesn't go by the company line. You got to get vaxxed and you know all this other crap. Aaron Rodgers is an interesting, odd dude. <laughs> Do I agree with all the things he says? No. I don't know if there's mole people living in the middle of the planet. <laughs> but he certainly got the right to say whatever the hell he wants. And I'm not going to sit here and rip the dude. And besides, I really don't care what he has to say. I want to watch him play football when he gets healthy. That's what it's See, about. See, that's the thing. I, I, I think it's interesting when he's on McAfee. Right, but do you base your life around the sayings of Aaron Rodgers? Well, Aaron Rodgers says there's mole no, people, so no, I bet no. that there are. No, no, no. I don't even know what you're talking mole people. I don't know what He said <laughs> one of his old teammates, I think it was Jordan Love, the current quarterback of the Packers, did a podcast where he was talking about the tutelage that he learned under Aaron Rodgers, and he said... When you sit down to talk with Aaron Rodgers, he's going to tell you about football. <laughs> he's going to tell you about mole people living in the middle of the world. Really? Like, it's a wild conversation. I just like the fact that he's such a high-profile athlete. He's not afraid to, to be outspoken. And he gave Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, go get another jab or something like that. I, mean, right. I just think it's funny. And that, that show, McAfee show, I when I sit, was down with COVID a couple of weeks ago, I actually was able to sit there and watch on ESPN. Do they 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 air that thing uncensored because they he was they were cussing up a storm which is he can get away with like be basic like, cable tv okay. swear words like, i think I there's I, a you know a little jar he has to pay if he says the f word or something i don't know like i didn't i don't know who any, who any of those other other guys are on that show the guy with the mullet 
Right. But the the when I tuned in was when the other guy that sits next to the guy with the mullet on that show got it wrong about Yamamoto. Yes, the baseball player. <laughs> he said he was going to the Yankees and like announced it like it was that he ended up going to the Dodgers. Oh, Otani, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, that, is that what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, okay. And then they had the baseball guy from, you know, the reporter come yes. on and rip his ass. Yes. The, the, the Jeff Passan. Yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. I don't know if that was a work or not. Like, maybe he meant to do that. Do you think he right. meant to do that on purpose? It could like, be, because McAfee's a WWE guy, too. So maybe it was a work and they script things. But, man, who cares? It's entertaining. Yeah. And I think it's cool that it emanates out of Indianapolis. Yes. McAfee's a champion for Indy. Wasn't born here. Right. He was Pittsburgh guy, Pennsylvania guy. But, man, he's put his whole base here. And some people love him. Some people hate him. But, man, kind of like Ryan Seacrest, you admire the bejesus out of the oh, hustle. Geez, yeah. Right? He's doing college game day. He's doing WWE. He's doing his show every day. Um, man, he's made yeah. a name for himself, like man. It. I'm not mad at him at all. I think it's awesome. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. I mean, about the only New Year's resolution I can think of that my wife and I kind of did together, kind of, is we're doing like a dry-ish January where it's... <laughs> what kind of half-ass resolution is well, that? Well, it's like Friday, Saturday. We're allowed to, you know... Okay. To, but, but during the week, it's, you know, it's kind of frowned upon. What's in that white cup over there? Uh, tea. Tea. Okay. It's empty, empty tea. What's in that uh, shot glass on your desk in the back? <laughs> so if you've made your news... There is an ish involved in your resolution, so it's okay. Dry-ish. Yeah, I mean, it's a little wiggle you know, school, room there. school nights, work nights, you know. I, I, I Wednesdays on the radio. <laughs> Some wiggle room. Um, if you've already broken some of your New Year's resolutions, here's an ordinary kid on your New Year's resolutions. Go ahead. Now, an ordinary kid on New Year's resolutions. Every year, Mom and Dad decide this is a year they're going to lose weight. Ugh. That means we all have to suffer through another Greek yogurt and chia seeds phase. Yes. I'll give it a week, and there will be clients scratching over the last slice of Meat Lover's pizza. <laughs> Mom's like, this year, I'm going to read more. What? <laughs> Reading sucks. You want to do my book reports, too? Dad says he's going to stop drinking beer. Right, Dad. Right. And send the entire economy into a tailspin? <laughs> Baby steps, Dad. <laughs> Baby steps. Maybe just stop at six. So, Mom and Dad, sure you're out of shape, and diabetes is definitely in your future, but there's so much more of you to love, and you're perfect the way you are. Except the diabetes thing. Oh. I get to check out pronto. Come on. Love you. Mean it. Happy New Year. This has been an ordinary kid on New Year's resolutions. Maybe stop at six, Dad. Diabetes. On the average, 44% of Americans make a New Year's resolution and break it before the <laughs> night is over. 44%. Uh, the four most popular types of goals people set are to exercise, exercise. eat well, yeah, yeah, lose yeah. weight, and save money. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a little AI involved here. Okay. Alexa, 
How do I keep my New Year's resolutions? The key to a New Year's resolution is to make it practical and realistic. My algorithms indicate that you lack discipline to adhere to arbitrary limits on your diet spending or alcohol consumption. So why would you spend 2024 a prisoner to unrealistic, even punitive aspirations? But if you insist on a resolution, try this. Resolve to eat and drink until you collapse of a heart attack with a smile on your giant fat face. Have a happy new year, dork wad. Boy, if I had a dollar for every time Alexis called me dork wad, I'd uh, be a rich, rich, wealthy man. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show.